everyone. Welcome to Chivas Podcast. This is the show that celebrates women in science. This is Vidya Narayanaswamy, your host. I wanted to start today's show by thanking our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You guys motivate me to bring to you all these amazing stories every month. So keep listening. Today, we have a very interesting guest with us. It's my honor to introduce her. She is a PhD candidate progressing towards a PhD in inflammation. She's currently working on a British Skin Foundation funded project into atopic eczema. She's none other than Jennifer Shelley. She's joining us all the way from Scotland. Yes, hi. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for accepting our invite and being with us in the show today. We welcome you to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I currently live in Edinburgh, which is the kind of one of the biggest cities in Scotland. I do my research at the Centre for Inflammation Research at the University of Edinburgh. Um, I work with Professor Donald Davidson and we are currently working on kind of novel therapeutic strategies for the treatment of atopic dermatitis, which is also known as allergic eczema. So we are taking quite a particular approach with a focus on antimicrobial peptides, which are a type of protein produced by a whole range of organisms. Um, humans produce a wide range of them across so many sites in the body and they're really interesting for antibiotic potential but also we're discovering that they have important roles in signaling and other inflammatory diseases so our focus is on the skin and as you said we're funded by the british skin foundation who are a super nice small charity um, and yeah we're hoping that our work will help design new therapies which are more effective and also more long term for eczema treatment wonderful jenny tell us the most inventive things that you've done as a child that you still talk about so i grew up in cambridge that's my that's my like family home so when i was younger like my dad used to take me to the university of cambridge like science festivals and those kind of things so i had a little bottle of my own dna that was taken from like a oh, cheap swap nice. and i had it, it like on my windowsill and it sat there and obviously the sun would have completely ruined it but i didn't know that so i was so proud of this little bottle that was sat there oh, so that... being in cambridge was great as a kind of budding scientist because i was surrounded by that environment so much of the time but i think when i have a little cousin who was born when i was about 13 and i decided for a christmas present one year that i would design and create this whole picture book for her for her like first christmas and it took me about a week of just designing and coloring and messing around with it and it's it's quite thick actually <laughs> but i was so dedicated to getting this thing done and that was such a big project and we kind of sometimes laugh about that in the family that i was such a 
focused 13 year old that I insisted on doing this thing that nobody really asked for but I was very keen on doing so as much as I had the science festival there it wasn't until a lot later that I started getting more interested in like the actual sciencey things and I was a lot more into kind of creativity and writing when I was younger so all of the things I was messing around and doing were very like arts and craftsy and writing stories and being convinced that I'd be writing novels and all of that so I think my main innovations if you want to call them that when I was younger were more drawing and writing and art based. But that definitely helped you shape who you are today. Oh definitely like I still I'm very like visual as a person so when I'm planning things and thinking about experiments I'm always like drawing crazy mind maps and drawing little illustrations myself to remember things like that's still very much a part of who I am now. So one of the things I do is I use a pencil. I still use a pencil. Though there's pens, yeah. there's digital technology, <laughs> I still need a pencil to jot down everything that I need to do and be more creative. So everybody has their own way of working on things. So <laughs> Yeah, like I definitely still in all my meetings and whenever I'm thinking, I can't type in meetings. I find it too like logical i need to be drawing like offshoots and big arrows being like oh this is this and this is here and that like i can't do it in a linear way <laughs> that's interesting and definitely i liked the science part you said when you were a child you had a little dna bottle i had my little <laughs> that's, my little that's, pot that's, of DNA. So, that's so cute where did your science journey begin so personally i didn't really know until a lot later so at first i was convinced that um i wanted to do medicine and that's that's the path i would pursue and i had this residential weekend in canterbury um which was just like a town relatively near us and it was all about if you wanted to be a doctor that's you went and did this weekend and you got gave it a go and i actually hated every second of it i was like i can't do this i will not be a doctor I kind of still had an idea of biology but I didn't really know what and then I decided that I'd go and do my bachelor's in biochemistry and microbiology because that was quite broad like I could do anything I wanted within that so it was then in a lecture in my I think it was my first year and this lecturer was working on this bacteria and this bacteria has a shield outside of itself kind of as protection and for years they've been trying to design a version of this bacteria that didn't have the shield and they wanted to have that bacteria without shield but they couldn't do it and it was really difficult so they decided instead to create an antibiotic which targeted the shield mm-hmm. so that would kill the bacteria but within a week the bacteria had designed a version of itself without the shield wow. within a week Wow. Something that they've been working on for ages, mm-hmm. bacteria done by itself. And I remember sitting in this lecture and listening to this and thinking that's absolutely terrifying. Like that's terrifying. <laughs> But it's also incredible. Like yes. how can something microscopic be outsmarting us? And I think from then I knew not only that I wanted to work in research, but I wanted to work on bacteria and disease and 
how the human body adapts to things and mm-hmm. that kind of host pathogen like battlefield that's where I wanted to work mm-hmm. so I think that's the first time that I was really like that's that this is what I want to do amazing tell me about a project ever since you started graduate school that you're truly proud of I think a project that's kind of more complete was one that I was doing I did a couple of summer summer internships during my bachelor's and one of them was at the cancer research center in uh, in Cambridge and I was there for three months like that was it just three months and I was being brought in to try and model a cancer tissue on a microscope chip like just trying to create build this tumor in the middle uh-huh. with like blood vessels around the outside wow and then introduce human immune cells into the blood vessels so it's kind of a better model and i worked on it for three months everything that went wrong oh. so just everything that could go wrong went wrong and on my last day it worked and i Yay! got it to work and yeah. the immune cells did what we wanted them to and it was just and it, it was my first real like microscopy images were taken of that slide nice. which i still have on my computer wow. i'm so proud of them so i think obviously my phd is a project that i'm incredibly mm-hmm. dedicated to and proud of but that's not quite finished yet mm-hmm. so that's kind of a completed project and i'm like yeah that was awesome that's cool tell me about the best and the worst days being a graduate student the worst days have to be when just nothing is working like sometimes like any job i suppose there are days when everything has gone wrong or equipment has just decided that it doesn't want to work that day and I work almost entirely in tissue cultures so I have like cells and tissues and flasks and if they're ready on a particular day and I've been working for the past week to make them ready mm-hmm. and then that piece of equipment doesn't want to work that's a week's work gone mm-hmm. in a second so obviously that is super frustrating yes <laughs> it is you can't get away from yeah. that that's always going to happen um i think the best days are the exact opposite of that so when you've been planning an experiment and you've been working on it all week and then that day that you get those results and you're looking at them and it's like okay how does this fit into my work like what does this mean does it mean this or this and like figuring out from that where you want to go next and what experiments you want to go next that's that's the best and then having those meetings where you're discussing with like your supervisors all the new ideas that this presents and you know you have like a piece of paper or a whiteboard with all the arrows everywhere being like well maybe this is this and this and this and this and this my supervisor is very good at keeping my feet on the floor because i'm awful about getting very overexcited being up at the various but those are the best days like you really have a sense of satisfaction and such curiosity on those days do you celebrate your best days yeah so i'm i'm very lucky i have a very nice group of group of fellow phd candidates that every small victory we celebrate so every time anyone has an assessment or you know just something goes right we go for a meal or we have drinks together and that's really nice we pick each other up when we're down but we're also celebrating each other's victories which is so great and how do you deal with the worst days 
the worst days are mostly have to just get home get out of the lab um i'm normally someone who will like go for a run or try and do some kind of exercise to get myself out of that headspace maybe wine to my friends and then drink wine so the two <laughs> the two key wines and that's that's just you just have to try and get up the next day. I always, with really big rejections, I give myself a night to dwell in it and cry about it and really hate everything. But I know that when I go back, go to bed and get up the next morning, the next morning is a new start and I have to just try and keep going from there. But I always give myself that night. If I try and be positive from the off, it doesn't work. I have to whine and cry about it for a night and then get up and start again. That's a very useful tip. Yeah, it's bred after many, many rejections and many all sorts, which I've had to learn to do that. A life of a PhD student, right? Yeah, just even getting to the PhD, like you apply to programs, you aren't the right fit or whatever. Like I think I got probably about 15 rejections thereabouts wow. before I got into my current program. That was that was over like four years, but still, like it's it's a process to get yeah. here. What are your ideals? So I think the first one that I always try and stick to is that if someone asks you for help or asks your advice on something or asks you to be involved in something, even if you can't immediately see any kind of benefit or you might think, oh, well, a bit of a waste of my time or whatever, I think there will be buried in there a advantage. Like it might be that you just make a better connection with that person and you build a friendship there or later down the line in a year in two years they become someone who's also really useful to you and helpful to you or you might build a skill like you might improve in public speaking whatever it may be even if you can't immediately see something as a benefit i think it's still worth doing if someone has asked you to be involved in something that's something i stick to a lot and then the other is just kindness like treat people with treat everyone with respect and kindness and you'll be amazed how much better not only your mood and how you feel but how that reflects back on you like you really get back what you put in i think yes definitely definitely i agree to that 100% what habits and mindsets has helped you through these 3 years of phd so habits i have to exercise quite a lot like i find i'm miserable if i don't exercise enough and that helps with phd stress quite a lot mm -hmm. and also just making sure because with lab life it's very easy for all of your like physical needs to become second so you often have phd students who have got into the lab at eight and at four o'clock they're still working and they've skipped lunch and they're really struggling and they're drained i really try and give myself like even if it's 15 minutes for lunch just make sure i eat because if i don't eat i'm more likely to mess up my experiment mm. So trying to stop those physical needs becoming secondary is I have it I'm still building but I think is helping with my concentration levels and everything else and mindsets I think slowly learning to kind of roll with the punches and not take everything so personally mm. like your PhD project becomes your life so quickly and every time something goes wrong it feels so personal because you're dedicating your life and so much of your time 
to this bit of science that then when something goes wrong it can be quite hard so trying not to take things as personally i'm still working on that that's not not something that i'm great at but i'm trying to adapt that into my life more i mean that's not easy I still haven't uh, gotten so far with it. So. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's tough. When that project is your baby, when, when you've worked so much, it's always hard to see it fail. So. But failure yeah. is a part of life. That's what we have to learn and accept and move on. Exactly. And yeah. sometimes when you get something, like you get a bit of data which feels like a failure because it hasn't worked, that actually turns out to be really important and something that changes your mindset on your project. So yeah, rolling with those punches is hard, but it's, it's a good mindset to try and adopt. Uh-huh. What is your greatest fear and how do you manage fear? I think a big fear is having someone who I really respect just being dismissive that's hard mm. and scary like you go to these conferences and you know everybody's names and you're so like impressed by these people and mm. you're there with your little poster or whatever it may be that you're trying to present and it's so scary the idea that they can just come up and be like mm, yeah not sure about that it's like oh no and they're not going to do that they're nice people they're going to be nice people but that's still so scary <laughs> in the moment so i think you just have to take a really big breath mm-hmm. and repeat in your head like that it's it's okay like that kind of self-comforting and phd student group that i have we all help each other with our fears like if it's public speaking if it's writing whatever it is we help each other out with that and kind of bolster each other so it's nice to have that positive reinforcement behind you nice nice what is one important skill according to you that every graduate student should have i think learning how to communicate effectively so whether that's writing or if that's presenting and figuring out how to speak to people if you're terrified of public speaking that's really hard and it really takes time but i think practice like being able to present present at school or present as part of a club that you're part of whatever it is i think learning how to communicate what you're doing and express passion in a professional way is a really really important skill i agree what is something according to you that others normally misunderstand or misrepresent in science? I think general conception that probably used to be correct but is no longer correct is that science is a club for older white men. Like, that's just not true anymore. <laughs> When people have this image of like a guy in a white lab coat and that's that's science it's so wrong and so much of my day is spent not even in a lab coat like i constantly try and tell people there's such a diverse group even in scotland there's people of all kinds of different ethnicities and ages and phd students who are in their 30s phd students who are early 20s pi's who are whoever like it's it's not an exclusive club anymore anyone can be a scientist if they are taught it properly and i'm really passionate about that i think science is a language if you learn the language you can be a scientist
So it's not just a small group anymore. See, this is why I wanted to interview you. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was probably me going off a bit, but I'm really big on that. Is I hate this media thing of scientists just being like guys in a coat. Like that's not it anymore. No, that's absolutely correct, and I totally agree to it. Name a time when you identified your strengths and weaknesses. One of my biggest strengths, I would think, is this ability to kind of let myself wallow for a little while and then bounce back. And a big, a big moment for me, which I think was probably quite career-altering, was when I was doing my bachelor's, um, my bachelor's degree in Sheffield. I was on an integrated master's course, so I was meant to do three years of bachelor's and then a fourth year of my master's. And in my third year, you had to get a 64.5 in your January exams to progress onto the masters. I got a 64.2, so I was told that I wasn't allowed to do the masters anymore. So this was in March that I was told this, and I was meant to start the masters in September. Felt like everything was falling apart, and I took it intensely personally, and really felt like it was me that was being rejected. And yeah, oh, it was awful. So I I let myself cry and I had a day where I just felt awful. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I got up and I was like, right, I'm not going to let this get me. This is not happening. So I applied to all these other master's programs. I kind of emailed people at the university who were kind of acting as mentors. And I got into a master's program that was closer to what I wanted and better for what I wanted. So it was amazing. I then got to move to London and have one of the best years I've ever had. So that resilience and my ability to keep going from that Mm -hmm. and that's become a strength in me I think also that taking things personally and not thinking that it's it's all you and your fault like really I was just a statistic in that case like Mm. it was you had to get this and that was the cutoff point it wasn't me it was just that's how it happened so yeah I really I grew a lot from that like a lot and it it really changed the path of my career so that's that was quite a big moment <laughs> what are your future aspirations or goals i really enjoy science and i definitely know that science is what i want to pursue i think with a phd the path is no longer straight onto postdoc lectureship whatever like you can do so much with a phd now like i don't know if academia will be my route or if i want to go into industry or if i want to go into something completely different like it's so open now and i think i love teaching and i love writing and everything like that so i can see myself going down the academic route and doing postdocs and you know eventually hopefully having my own lab and teaching as well but the path ahead is so unclear and that's another common misconception once you do a phd you're kind of on this really regimented path and you're really not like you can do anything with that you're extremely lucky to do a project that's funded by british skin foundation yeah this is this is precisely it like i was rejected so much before i got to my phd Mm -hmm. and i really for it mm-hmm. and now I'm doing this amazing stuff and British Skin Foundation is such a just yes. brilliant charity to work for they're so great the way they communicate with us and communicate with the public 
I love them as a charity and I don't want to set what I want to do too much because I've found that the things that I haven't expected have ended up being the greatest. So I want to leave myself open to whatever yeah. other great things might come my way. Yeah. And the cool part about science, I could I can move across the world yes. tomorrow. You can come to California. Be... <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. The weather would be better. It's, it's raining here. Yeah. I've never been to Scotland, but I've heard it's beautiful out there. Oh, it, it is beautiful. It is stunning. But that beauty comes from constant rain. Oh. <laughs> That's less fun. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go into our lightning round. Here we go. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Haggis. I'm in Scotland. Haggis is... Don't Google it. It's, it's quite gross, but <laughs> it tastes nice. Okay. But it's, it's, don't Google it. Okay. <laughs> Describe yourself in three words. Excitable, active. Interesting. Empathetic. I love okay. empathetic people. <laughs> if you could time travel, where would you be now? I always want to answer the uh, 1920s, but I Ooh. think that's just because I think the style is so cool. I wouldn't want to stay there. I wouldn't want to work there. <laughs> like if I could just go back there, have a glass of champagne and come back, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Buy a dress and then come back. I love it. I love that idea. I would travel with you. <laughs> if you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? I think royalty, like just like if I could be Kate Middleton for a day, Ooh. just also curiosity, like I want to see, exactly. see behind the scenes, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. and they get to know all like the political <laughs> secrets, like oh, yeah. it's not just royalty they know about, they know about like what's going on in government and all the kind of things there, That's so true. yeah, I'd be curious about all of that. <laughs> Favorite icebreaker idea? I once had one where we all had like a list of traits and we had to find people with those traits. And some of them were physical, some of them were personal, but it was like who owns a, more than one bike or who has brown eyes. And that was quite good because it got everyone in the room talking. Oh, that's a great idea. But I always want to get people at like the coffee, coffee stand or whatever and then just start talking about the coffee and then talk about the science so perfect I, i'm awful for ambushing people and saying like oh they have really good coffee at this conference don't they oh they really love your talk like oh you were that person that's my way in <laughs> i absolutely love it <laughs> what would you do in mars for fun i'd be bouncing about like i would be going for a run in the most up down way i think that would be great fun same thing! I would be hopping yeah. around too. <laughs> it's so fun. Oh yeah. Name one of the seven dwarfs. Sleepy. Does that tell me a lot about myself? <laughs> no. <laughs> Best skin beautifying product you've ever used? So I really like the Body Shop products because a lot of it is very kind of ethically sourced. They do a lot of outreach with the societies that they source things from and they have some tea tree like body washes and Ooh. stuff which I really like uh -huh. um, because I'm I tend to get like skin infections and stuff here and there and I find that that keeps them at bay a uh. bit so I like their tea tree great. Nice. What does a person need to be happy? Good people around them like if you have good friends or good family or failing that a dog one of those so either you have good people or you have a dog those are the things you need to be happy about. <laughs> Very good answer. Is there such a thing as objective beauty? I don't think so. I think if you look 
at different cultures there's always a slightly different idea of beauty and if you know someone's background things about them that you hadn't necessarily thought of as beautiful before can become beautiful like i think it's it's so subjective and so based on personal experience that i don't think objective beauty exists i love your answers so <laughs> that would be the end of our lightning round do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners anyone who's listening to this that is trying to get into graduate programs or is starting to not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel give yourself a break take a breath but then just keep moving forward keep plugging on even if it's the smallest thing in the world that you're doing to make progress like try and take that tiny step because the other steps get easier and things can be rubbish but you will get there you just have to have resilience and figure out how to roll with those punches because things will be rubbish sometimes but it does get better again cool thank you so much for being with us in the show today i wish you the best in future i hope you make that kind of a breakthrough that would ultimately lead to the development of a long-term treatment for atopic dermatitis wish you, you the so best much. thank you for having me this was really fun thank you all for listening to our podcast if you enjoy this podcast remember to check us out at gwis.org gwis.org or gwis podcasts gwis podcasts i hope all of you have a wonderful day ahead till i meet you guys next time this is vidya narana swami signing off